Well, it's certainly a privilege for Sandy and I to be back with you today. And uh, the, the years go by. We continue to enjoy being close to our uh, boys and their families in the Des Moines area. And uh, we certainly uh, uh, keep busy with Little League games and soccer games and a lot of those things. Um, the, we could tell the years are going by because this last week our two oldest grandchildren spent their first week out at Riverside and had a great time and we're thankful that uh, that ministry continues in such a wonderful way too. As some of you know, uh, after I retired from ministry here at Emmanuel, the uh, Iowa District of LCMC uh, called me to be their part-time coordinator for the state of Iowa. And, and the, the way that position works is that they've asked me to keep in contact um, and encourage and be a resource person to the 70 or so pastors and congregations in our Iowa district. So I've enjoyed uh, doing that uh, uh, some hours every week here these last years as well. And I want to thank you as a congregation for your continuing support for LCMC and, and for the Iowa district. And, and uh, last year, uh, Pastor Andrew was the chairperson of our Iowa district board. And, and then he resigned because he was elected at our national convention to be on the uh, national ministry uh, team. So we're uh, glad for his work in that area too. And we want to thank you as a congregation for allowing him to take on these extra roles. We appreciate uh, Andrew and Allison and all their work here and all the work they do in other ways around the community and the state and nationally. Well, I was asked to continue today uh, in this series of, of sermon topics uh, under the theme, The Resurrected Church. Uh, it wasn't too long ago that we uh, celebrated Easter and the Lord's resurrection. And, and from what Pastor Andrew has mentioned every week, you've been talking about what it means to be a church knowing that Christ is alive and is here with us. And, and um, he asked me to, to focus a little bit today on the theme, The Resurrected Church cares for one another. You know, there's always been certain churches in certain places, I suppose, around the country that have tried just to do their ministry in, a, in an independent way. And not only that, sometimes certain churches through the, the centuries have tried um, almost like they're in competition with other churches to be better and to grow faster and with that kind of attitude. But as I look especially at this area of Iowa now for these uh, last 40 years, I'm pleased to have uh, experienced just the opposite. A lot of good, good cooperation and support through the decades among not only the Lutheran churches of our area, but those also churches of other denominations. One of the joys of ministry here that I remember 
uh, in years past was just to have that close fellowship with the Roland Story Ministerial Association and the, the various things we, we did to show the communities that we were one in Christ. For many years, and some of you remember this, our churches organized the closing service of the Scandinavian Day celebration on Sunday evening when it went to Sunday night. And we met in the park and had a special speaker, and it was a, a joy to uh, come together as communities for that. Many years we took turns preaching in each other's churches in the area on Sunday evenings during the Lenten service or series. Uh, of, of the year. And then sometimes we even combined together to have a Thanksgiving service from year to year. And we hope that these special times of gathering the communities together from the various churches was a witness to the community that we truly desired to work together. And that's the way it should be in the body of Christ. I remember the annual routine we had every year renting white confirmation robes and we always did it from a certain company and so we were about to order one year our number of robes we needed and found out that the company had gone out of business and so after um, uh, a few phone calls I found out that Grace United Methodist Church here in town had some confirmation robes that they weren't using and they were happy to share those with us for our confirmation Sunday. And to me, I remember that because it really did show that we were in the same uh, mission for Christ to encourage each other in the advancement of his kingdom. That's the way it should be. Of course, this kind of care and support of our churches, uh, one after another, or one among each other, has its roots in the ministry of Jesus and in the early church in, found in the New Testament. Our gospel today reminds us that Jesus sent out his disciples out to the villages proclaiming the good news. As believers in these towns multiplied, where Jesus had ministered, I'm sure they heard about other believers in the neighboring village. And I'm sure they began to want to have fellowship with them and visit with them and share what they believed. Of course, some of this fellowship had to be done in secret because those that were in authority didn't understand the ministry of Jesus, most of them at least, and, and thought that Jesus and his followers were a threat. And so they had to be very careful as these early house churches began and, and how they did this fellowship. We see that many of the letters to these churches found in the New Testament reveal that they had a vital partnership together to further God's mission. They assisted one another in ministry. They sought advice from one another when faced with difficult situations. They assisted each other with pastoral training. And they sent money to help one another as needs arose. 
You know, New Testament churches, these churches that Paul sent letters to, they were autonomous. In other words, they were independent. They were governed by their own local leaders, yes. But yet they were fully interdependent, Scripture says. Interdependent. And how did that come about, we ask? Well, first of all, you can see in many of Paul's letters to these Christian churches that, that they enjoyed a common regional identity. New Testament epistles were often addressed to all the believers of all the churches in a particular area. The letter to the Galatians begins with these words. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you. That's how he started his letter, to all the churches there in that region. Secondly, New Testament letters by Paul and others included greetings from churches that shared that common identity. In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he says, the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. I'm sure it helped those believers in Corinth to know that there were people in other areas of of Asia Minor that were praying for them and concerned about them. Asia Minor, as many of you know, in this text refers to the the western part of Turkey as we know it today. That's the area that Paul worked in for many years and established a lot of these house churches. These churches really met often in the biggest room in the homes of one or more of the members where there was enough room for the people to gather inside. For example, Paul writes in Romans 16, greet also the church that meets in the home of Priscilla and Aquila. So they were house churches. So Paul greeted individual churches on behalf of many other churches. But thirdly, New Testament churches enjoyed a powerful energy in ministry together. Churches cooperating in a region reached more people together for Christ than they could have ever on their own. Luke tells us that in Acts 19 that that within two years of intensive, concentrated outreach that all the villages and towns of that area in western Turkey were saturated with the gospel. Isn't that something in two years? This happened because churches networked together to train leaders and planted new churches and saturated the area with the good news of Jesus Christ. These last years I've belonged to an organization of, uh, made up of uh, 10 or 12 denominational leaders, leaders of, of some of the smaller denominations in our state. And we've simply gathered 
knowing that we may have different ways of doing church, different types of theology, but we're one in Christ. And we've got together a few times a year just to pray for each other, support each other, and to pray that every person in Iowa would hear the good news of the gospel by the end of the decade. The organization is called Reach Iowa Together. And that's the goal, is to make sure that we do things in every, every way we can, prompted by the Holy Spirit, to reach all Iowans. You know, we're, we're living in a mission field. Our son Jonathan, who serves a congregation in the inner city Des Moines area, near Drake University, tells me often how he has people coming, especially the children coming to Sunday school, not knowing even the basics at all about who is Jesus and what he came to do in our world. So they, they feel like at times they're on a mission field and starting from square one. But I think there's a lot of people that we'd be surprised don't understand the gospel message. And so we're all called to be missionaries to our neighbors and friends. And then fourthly, churches in the New Testament era supported God's work by giving to other churches that were struggling in different ways. We hear in Philippians 4 that the new believers there in that town in Philippi supported Paul's work in establishing a new church in Thessalonica, a neighboring town. One church giving so that another church could begin. In the lesson that Laura read for us this morning, we read about two examples of this kind of cooperation. As Paul traveled to new areas to spread the gospel, he would stay with believers in their homes where uh, churches have already been established. And he used that kind of as a home base then to take the next step to go to neighboring towns. Romans 15 tells us that Paul was planning on traveling even to Spain a long ways away and wanted to visit the believers in Rome on the way. He says, I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there, in other words, to Spain. Some feel that Paul was then using Rome as a kind of a home base for his work that would extend then outwards towards the nation of Spain. Yes, Christian churches helped with the needs of missionaries, starting with Paul and down mm -hmm. through the centuries. Um, from the very beginning of the Christian church, that was the way things were done. Established churches would help missionaries go out into new areas and proclaim the gospel. And you know, at Emmanuel here, I know you've had that tradition throughout your 125 years of history. Missionaries have visited this congregation through the decades, and they've asked for your prayer support and monetary support, and you've always been very generous. That's the way the Christian church has always worked. Paul also shared in our text today that, that he was wanting to meet a specific need of a church 
in Jerusalem. He writes in our lesson that this time he was on another kind of journey. He says, I am on my way to Jerusalem in service to the believers there, the church there. For the believers in Macedonia and Acadia were, were pleased to make a contribution, it says, for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. You see, there had been a famine in Jerusalem, and many of the believers there uh, were starving. And so some of the churches in the outer areas where there not, had not been a famine uh, took offerings and used Paul as the delivery person to bring that money to the believers in Jerusalem. Paul did that quite often. He knew the needs of the churches that he had established, and he asked other churches that were doing better to help out with those specific needs. One of the taglines of LCMC has been, through our first 25 years of, of existence, that we are a first-century church for the 21st century. Our priority like the early church, is to care for the physical, emotional, spiritual needs of all people, but specifically focus on the needs of other churches, other pastors within the community of faith. This reminds me of a call I received uh, a few years ago from uh, an LCMC church here in Iowa that wanted to know where to send an offering that they had taken for one of our churches um, that uh, existed in the southern part of our country that had been damaged because of a hurricane. That's the way it should work, isn't it? We should keep our ears open to the needs of other churches around the country and do our best to minister to them, as Paul asked his, the churches uh, 2,000 years ago to do. Paul's work also reminds uh, me of how uh, some many years ago now, um, the churches of this area came together to establish and support the Loaves and Fishes Food Pantry. This, uh, these kinds of actions you see that we do as community churches show the world that Christ's love motivates us in the church and in the various churches that we have in the area to reach out in love to people in need. That's what Jesus taught us to do. Part of my work as district coordinator is to encourage pastors across the state to meet together for fellowship and for support and for accountability. And our group of about a dozen pastors from this central Iowa area have met now monthly for 25 years. And when one of our LCMC churches heard that we were kind of celebrating a milestone of our, our group, an anniversary like this, they, they gave a gift to the group, large enough to pay for a lunch at Pizza Ranch. <laughs> and that was pretty special. And it, and it was uh, encouragement for all the pastors uh, that have been a part of, of that group. And I have to admit that I'm kind of the oldest one now in the group. But that's okay. I, uh, I appreciate that, 
that fellowship and that encouragement that they give me as well. Area churches caring for each other is more important now than ever because, you know, we're living in some somewhat discouraging times in some ways for the church and we need to do everything we can to support and care for each other. And some of our churches are, are finding, you know, that living and doing ministry in these times are hard. Some of our churches are finding that it's, that it's not so easy to find another pastor. Once uh, a pastor uh, leaves, it takes a long time often to, to get a new pastor. And we've had even some churches that have allowed their pastor to help out at a different time on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening or whatever, once in a while to minister in a neighboring church that allows that church to have some pastoral ministry taking place. So, we have endless opportunities to be a blessing and to care for people in our own congregation, yes, and in our community, yes, but also to reach out to the people of other communities of faith, and to the world beyond. The resurrected church believes that Christ is alive and he's present to give us power to reach out to our brothers and sisters wherever they may be. And my prayer is that Emmanuel will always be that kind of church. Let us pray. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the power that you gave your leaders 2,000 years ago as the early church began to spread among the nations. And we thank you for missionaries like Paul and Peter and others who shared that good news with new, new believers. And we thank you that we, even all these centuries later, have that privilege to continue to reach out to other churches in need and to reach out to people that have never heard the gospel. So continue to give us that power and those resources that we need to share and to be that kind of church for the 21st century. This we pray in your precious name. Amen.